Hello, I'm Erica LaCasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. We'll be talking about when rebellion takes over. Stick around for some hope healing and maybe even some laughs. Welcome once again to another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. This week's Torah portion is called Korach, which you can find in Numbers chapter 16, verse 1 to chapter 18, verse 32. The half Torah portion is 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 14 to chapter 12, verse 22. And the Brit Hadashah is chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And I know I don't do this too often on my podcast, but I think it's healthy and a good thing to do. I am, after all, supposed to be the messy, messianic mama. And I'm going to actually go a little bit over the Torah portion this week. Because I think it's important to see not only was this a struggle back in the time of Moses, it was also a struggle back in the time of King Saul and... Also, in the time of Peter, after, you know, Yeshua has gone to, has, was born, died, and was raised again, and is now at the right hand, seated at the right hand of Adonai. And it's also something that each and every one of us, I think, if we're honest, suffers with. And that is the spirit of rebellion. And I really struggled with what to title this particular one, if it should simply be when rebellion takes over or the desires of our hearts. Because a lot of times the desire of our heart can lead us to rebellion. And I know that maybe sounds a little confusing, but There are verses in the Bible that talk about the desires of the heart or how the heart is, you know, inherently wicked. Um, Proverbs 13, 19 says, A desire fulfilled is sweet to the soul, but fools detest turning away from evil. But I want to take you to the actual Torah portion. And... kind of give you a synopsis. I'm not going to read it word for word um, because I only, you know, I have a limited amount of time on here. I really do encourage you to get in depth in this particular one. It's actually really fascinating reading. Um, It starts out in Numbers chapter 16, verse 1, which says, Now Korah, son of Ishar, son of Kohath, son of Levi, and sons of Reuben, Dathan, and Abiram, sons of Eliab, and On, son of Peleth rose up against Moses and took 250 men from Bene Israel, men of renown who had been appointed to the council. They assembled against Moses and Aaron. They said to them, You've gone too far. All the community is holy, all of them, and Adonai is with them. Then why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of Adonai? Moses heard this, he fell on his face. Then he said to Korah and all his following, saying, In the morning Adonai will reveal who is his and who is holy. The one whom he will let come near to him will be the one he chooses to come near to him. Do this, Korah, and your whole following. Take for yourselves censers, 
put fire and incense into them in the presence of Adonai. Tomorrow the man that Adonai chooses will be the Holy One. You, sons of Levi, are the ones who have gone too far. Moses also said to Korah, Listen now, sons of Levi. Isn't it enough that the God of Israel has set you apart from the community of Israel to bring you near to him, to do the work of the tabernacle of Adonai, and to stand before the community to minister to them? So he brought you close, along with all your fellow sons of Levi, but you are seeking the priesthood too. Therefore you and all your following are banding together against Adonai. Who then is Aaron, that you are grumbling against him? Then Moses sent word to call Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab. But they said, We will not come. Isn't it enough that you brought us from a land flowing with milk and honey, only to kill us in the wilderness, and now you would lord it over us? What's more, you haven't brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Would you now gouge out the eyes of those men? We won't come. Then Moses became very angry and said to Adonai, Do not accept their offering. I haven't taken them, uh, taken from them a single donkey, nor have I wronged one of them. So Moses said to Korah, You and your whole following are to appear before Adonai. You, they and Aaron, tomorrow. Each man will take a censer, and you are to put incense into them. 250 censers total. You are to present it before Adonai, you and Aaron, each presenting his censer. So each man took his censer, put fire and incense into it, and stood with Moses and Aaron at the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Korah and his following had assembled in opposition to them at the entrance of the tent of meeting, then the glory of Adonai appeared to the entire assembly. Then Adonai spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this assembly, so that I may consume them at once. But they fell on their faces and cried out, O God, God of the spirits of all flesh, if one man sins, will you be angry with the entire community? Then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the assembly, saying, Move away from the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Moses got up and went to Dathan and Abiram. The elders of the Israel followed after him. He warned the assembly, saying, Move away from the tents of these wicked men. Don't touch anything that is theirs, or you will be swept away because of all their sins. So they moved away from near the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Dathan and Abiram came outside and were standing at the entrance of their tents with their wives, their children, and their little ones. Moses said, By this you will know that Adonai has sent me to do all these works, that they are not for my own heart. If every one of these men die a common death and experience what happens to all people, then Adonai has not sent me. But if Adonai brings about a new thing and the earth opens her mouth and swallows them and everything that is theirs, and they go down alive into Sheol, then you will know that these men have despised Adonai. As soon as he finished saying all of these things, the ground split under them. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed them, along with all their households, all of course people, and all their possessions. They went down alive into Sheol, they and everything that was theirs. The earth closed over them, and they were gone from among the community. All Israel around them fled at their outcry, for they shouted, Perhaps the earth will swallow us. Fire also came out from Adonai and consumed the 250 men offering the incense. Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Tell Eliezer, son of Aaron the Kohen, to take the censers from the burning, because they are holy, and scatter the coals at a distance. As for the censers of these men who sinned at the cost of their lives, let them be taken and hammered into sheets as a covering for the altar. For they were presented before Adonai, so they are holy. They are to be a sign to B'nai Yisrael.
So Eliezer, the Cohen, collected the bronze censers brought by the ones who were burned and hammered them into an overlay for the altar. Just as Adonai had spoken to him by Moses' hand, so that it would be as a reminder to Bene Israel that no one who was not a descendant of Aaron should burn incense before Adonai, and so no one would become like Korah and his following. The next day, the entire community of Bene Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, saying, You killed Adonai's people. But when they gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron and turned toward the tent of meeting, behold, the cloud covered it and the glory appeared. Moses and Aaron went to the front of the tent of meeting. Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from among this assembly, so that I may immediately consume them. So they fell on their faces. And Moses said to Aaron, Take the censer, put into it fire from the altar, and put in incense. Get going and hurry to the assembly and make atonement for them, because wrath has come out from Adonai and the plague has started. Aaron did just as Moses had said and ran into the middle of the assembly. Behold, the plague had already started among the people. But he offered the incense and made atonement for the people. He stood between the dead and the living, and the plague stopped. However, there were 14,700 dead from the plague, besides those who died because of Korah. Then Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance of the tent of meeting, when the plague had been halted. I know it was kind of a mouthful, but man, it's a, it's a very telling story about rebellion. And it's one of those kind of stories you don't tend to forget. And I think there's a lot to get from this story and a lot to really digest and meditate on and and ruminate on. But really what was the desire of their heart? And, you know, my, my husband and I, when we went over this tour portion earlier, um, he actually found where they talk about, um, he remembered this from a previous tour portion. And he's like, hey, I think I remember back in Numbers 4, and he did, he found it in Numbers chapter 4, verses 18, it says, you are not to let the families of the tribe of the Kohathites be cut off from among the Levites. Do this for them so that they may live and not die whenever they approach the most holy items. Aaron and his sons are to go into the sanctuary and assign each man his job and his responsibility. But the Kohathites are not to go in to look at what is holy, not even momentarily, or they will die. Now, he's one doesn't wants to make sure that these uh, men who are the Kohathites do not die for the job that they have. But... It's interesting. Um, the Kohath, the tribe of the Kohaths, their job was to carry the Ark of the Covenant, I believe. And it's not exactly a terrible task. And it certainly is holy enough where, you know, it actually killed another man during David's time. But they wanted more. So it's kind of like when we have something that we desire in our hearts and that desire is fulfilled, whether it's something that God fulfills or it's a material thing that's fulfilled, we have to be very careful that whatever it is that we are desiring, once it's been fulfilled, it doesn't cause us to 
covet even more, if that makes sense, or want more than what God has for us. Uh, you know, a lot of people, when they come into ministry, have this really glorified picture of them being part of this huge ministry and God using them and them being able to maybe start in a small church and making it like a mega church and just doing amazing things. And while that isn't all bad, we have to remember what Adonai's heart is and what his calling is for our life, not what we think our calling is for our life. We have to ask him and say, Lord, what is it that you want of me? Help that to make my desires your desires for my life. And the same is true when you look at the half Torah portion, which is First Samuel. Uh, in First Samuel uh, chapter eleven, it starts at, and it talks about the one of a king. For you know, years and years and years and years, Israel had no king, but they saw what the other countries around them had, and they wanted it. And to the point where they demanded Samuel to Samuel the prophet to give them what they wanted. And so eventually he did. And Adonai, you know, did give him, give the people what they wanted. And they, he gave them the desire of their heart. But it didn't turn out as well as they would have thought it, it did. And then you go towards um, Acts chapter 5. Is a story of Ananias and Sapphira where they chose to try to swindle Adonai and they sold the house. You know, most of you know the story. They sold the house and agreed to lie and tell Peter, like, hey, we sold this house, this property, and we want to give the proceeds to the believers to further God's kingdom. But they lied about the price where Ananias was immediately struck down. And three hours later, his wife was. And I think that all goes back to having a rebellious heart because I don't believe that that was the desire of, of God's heart. I don't believe that that was initially what uh, maybe he was hoping for, you know, he doesn't tell you to give all that you have to serve him and to lie about a portion of it and, and hoard it for yourself. He doesn't tell you that he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords for you to set another human up a, as a headship because God evidently for you is not good enough. Now, it doesn't always have to be these big things that we see in the Bible um, where there is serious rebellion. And um, unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, serious judgment for that rebellion. A lot of times in our lives, it can be simple things. It could be choosing to sleep in instead of getting up and having your normal morning time. Uh, in your daily devotion with the Lord. Or looking over, going over to Facebook or Instagram or any of those, you know, tw your Twitter account instead of looking 
and opening God's word first. And, you know, I've, I've been guilty of it. I mean, there have been times, especially, you know, I don't necessarily am in the mood to do a podcast. Not because it's not what God's called me to do. But because it is me stepping very much out of my comfort zone. Um, there are other things that my flesh would really rather do. I'm listening to a great Audible book of a series. And I've actually listened to it before, so I know I know how it ends. And yet, there was still a struggle within myself tonight to choose to be obedient to what God has called me to do, sit down and do this podcast. I will say that I'm doing it slightly later than normal uh, because, as you know, I pre-record this, so it's still Father's Day. So happy belated Father's Day to all of you fathers out there this week. Um, but I wanted to make sure that my, my husband felt loved and wanted today. Now, not everything went as planned, but I know a lot of times fathers don't feel like they matter very much. And Father's Day tends to solidify that in their minds because at least in, in our family, a lot of times our kids tend to do maybe a little bit better job at recognizing and showing their appreciation for me on Mother's Day than they do for their father. I will say this year, I did tell him he definitely had a better Father's Day, I'm sure, than I did on Mother's Day this past year because this past Mother's Day was not super great for me. But you know what? It's okay because there's always good days and bad days, no matter what kind of job you have, whether you have kids or not. And I think it's really good for us to remember, even as adults, that especially if we do have kids that our kids have bad days too and that they're struggling with all sorts of forms of rebellion now as you know i've got at least you know three teenagers and a 21 year old and the 21 year old does live behind us in the camper so he's technically independent but we do see him pretty much on a daily basis and i'm so grateful for that but when you know you're you have teenagers and you have multiple teenagers and they're really good at playing off of each other. And sometimes it can be hard. It can be hard to put down maybe our own rebellion as well, because sometimes it's hard to put down our desire to be right. than having our desire to have relationship. And that's kind of our own, you know, rebellious nature as well. Like I talked before on this podcast about, you know, pride. Pride really does come before the fall. And I think that's very true in in all these different instances where Adonai gives the opportunity to back off and reassess what they have said or what they've decided to do. And they've chosen not to. Um, And all these instances, they know the difference between right and wrong. And they chose to do things the way that they felt should be done, not the way that that Adonai says that it should be done. So hopefully, you know, just like me, I'm doing a lot of introspection right now as well. It's a good reminder as we go through our week to just remember that it's really easy for the own desires of our heart hearts to become rebellious thoughts and 
it's a daily struggle. And I think it's a good, good thing for us to talk with our father and say, Lord, please, you know, help my desire be your desire and take away any rebellious spirit off of me. Cleanse me of any rebellious, rebellious thoughts. Help me to focus on you and not what I want, but on what you want for me. Because I know that your ways are so much better than my ways. Now, as I do every single week, I'm going to leave you with the ironic benediction, which you can find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 and 26. I'm going to open up my Bible. And just in case you didn't know, the uh, portion of the word that I read was from the Tree of Life version. And that's exactly what I'm reading from as well. When I'm open at my Bible and talking about the ironic benediction, I will say, however, I do not quote it word for word. I'm not sure which version I quote, but it's just a, the version that we do in our congregation. And so that's the one that I do. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Hashem Yeshua Sashalom. In the name of Yeshua we pray. Amen. May you all have a fantastic week, and I hope you'll tune in again next week. Shavua Tov! Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com, or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E as in Echo, L as in Lemur, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, the number 3 at ProtonMail.com. Also feel free to leave me a one-minute voicemail message at anchor.fm forward slash Erica LaCasse. There's a button on my Anchor website that says leave a voicemail. Thank you so much. And remember to leave all messages short and sweet and to the point. And I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you.